morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> All right. Got a lot of ground to cover here this morning. And I'm uh, going to have to go back to some of the stuff that I touched on last week. Remember last week when I was offending all the ladies and the men by talking about the parts of the soul that, you know, men have problems or, you know, in, in terms of the, the tripartite nature of man and, and, you know, made some comments about the ladies and made some comments about the men. And, and I could see it really hit a nerve, you know. So I, I got to go back and visit that a little bit more here today. Because it's important, it's more than just important because, <clears throat> because I, I say so. It's important that we would understand how do we receive the word of God? Like where does the word of God go? Is it, is it meant for my mind? Is it meant for my emotions? Is it, what is the purpose? Where, does it, where is it supposed to um, reside? And so that's really important to understand that the Word of God has a very specific function in our life. And that's why we're doing all this stuff with memorizing the Word and stuff like that. Because all it's going to do is enhance your spiritual life. It's going to develop spiritual life. Am I right, Pastor Joe? Can I get an amen on that one? All right. Pastor Joe told me that he'd get saved this morning if I preach a good message. (laughs) So keep an eye on him. Okay. All right, good. We have to hit you up for the offering too. <laughs> Put some pressure on you this morning. We will get some get some mileage out of this guy <clears throat> when he's here. Otherwise, he's out blessing the world with his ministry. Anyway, so we're going to talk a little bit more about that and 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 how it is that the spirit is the part that is that can receive the the word of God. It, it can be like grafted into our spirit, and that's where that's where it does some good. That's where it it. Uh, it occupies the function of transformation, right? That you be no longer conformed to this world, but you you be transformed by... Listen to that, huh? Say that again. Would you be transformed by... What did you just say? Oh, man, is that a beautiful thing, right? This, this, this congregation, this family's getting, getting their stuff together. That you be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, excellent, and perfect will of God. Or that you may test and approve what is that, the will of God, the good, excellent, and perfect. Well, yeah, I get them a little confused because there, there are different translations. Anyway, so <clears throat> it's, um, it's very important that our lives are being transformed and that process happens by, specifically, by the word of God. So we're gonna jump into that this morning and a bunch of other things. So let's take a minute and I will just uh, commit this message here, my thoughts to the Lord. God, okay, Lord God, we, uh, we, we take a moment just to come into your presence. A little bit of time here on Sunday morning. And it's a blessing that we can do this. And it's a blessing that you've given us this, this nice place to meet in. And friends, it's great to see people loving each other and greeting each other and enjoying one another's company here in church and, uh, and, and building relationships with everybody. We just praise you, Lord, for the work you're doing. Everything that you're doing is great. And so we pray to be able to just be totally on board with where you're going and what you're doing. <clears throat> we thank you for the, uh, your word, which is able to speak life into our lives and is able to transform us, change us, is able to make us wise unto salvation. And so anyway, Lord, we give you this time. 
We thank you for your presence in our midst. Thank you for the time to worship and, th- and praise. All of this this morning is great. So bless our time studying in your word, we pray today. In Jesus' name, and all of the good-looking people who love the Lord said, amen. There you go. <clears throat> I got you know, to butter them up to get an amen out of them. You know, I, I got to tell them that, man, anyway. All right, so here's, this is the, the basic theme. This is where we've been for the last number of months at this point, okay? Building your life on the foundation of the word of God. That's what God wants you to do. God wants you to rebuild, might be a better way of saying it, rebuild your life on the foundation of the word of God. You know, the parable that Jesus talked about in uh, Matthew chapter seven, where he says, uh, I'll tell you who the person is like who, has he- who hears my words and practices them. He's like the guy that built the house, put it down on a foundation, floods came, rains came, storms came, but the house stood because it was grounded solidly upon the rock, right? And that's, he likens that, the Lord likens that to our own life, that they, our lives will be strong during the trials when they come, <clears throat> and they surely will, during the difficulties, during the disappointments, during all the different changes that um, happen to us here in this world, the word of God remains a sure foundation for our life. And so <clears throat> this has been our uh, theme, building your life on the foundation of the word of God. And I also have in here, so we can just kind of read them together, this memory verse. I didn't know that Jules was going to do that, but it's probably a good idea. So uh, let's see if we can do it together, shall we? Well, this is the first part. Therefore, having been justified by faith, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. One more time, nice and loud. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been shed, or I'm sorry, yeah, by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That's another translation issue. Anyway, okay, that wasn't bad. One more time on that, okay, shall we? Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope, and hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Okay, good, got it? Now, forging ahead, here's where we are today. For, let's read it together. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone might dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Good stuff to have tucked away. Right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Certainly one of the most, one of the most encouraging passages uh, in the Word, <clears throat> in that we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So there you go. Work on that one. I think Jewel has made up some laminated copies. There she is in the back holding them up. So uh, get one of those before you go. And then um, 
then you'll have that one down. It's kind of, now there's, there's maybe a, a tiny bit of explanation because I really don't like the translation the way it starts. For when we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's not the best way that that could actually be expressed. Because what he's saying is when we were just without any ability whatsoever, when we were entirely helpless, that's what he means by saying for when we were still without strength, when we were entirely powerless to do anything for ourselves, we could not save ourselves, we couldn't redeem ourselves, we couldn't you know, purchase ourselves back, pay off God for our sins. We were hopelessly and utterly and completely lost. That is the condition of every human being that comes into this world. Utterly, hopelessly, completely lost and completely incapable of doing anything to help ourselves. That's what he means by we were still without strength. <clears throat> in due time or at the proper time or just at the right time, Christ came along and died for the ungodly who used to be us but we ain't ungodly no more. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. So, so you got a new passage to work on. So <clears throat> last week we began studying how the word of God is a weapon. I wanted to get us to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we're still gonna give that a shot because that, that's we wanna point at that. We're gonna get there someday. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And, and this is why, because it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not, carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Okay, that's, that's how God wants it to work, so that every thought um, it, it's as if Christ stands guard. I'm, one time, long, long time ago, I preached a message. I don't think I've ever preached that message here about I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness from Psalm 84, right? And in, in bringing that message, um, I thought to myself, you know, now that sounds like a pretty menial job. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Sounds like no big deal, right? It's kind of a, a servant type of job. This is a job that somebody who didn't have any particular otherwise abilities could be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. But you know what? You are a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Because you know what's the house of the Lord? You. And everything that comes in the eyes and everything that comes in the ears, all that stuff comes into the house of the Lord. And so that's how we want to be thinking about that because you are a doorkeeper. Now, can, you, can you imagine a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord in biblical times? And he's there and up walks a person who's just dressed. A woman walks up and she's dressed in a very scanty, sca- scandalous fashion. Would he let her in? No. Right, he would, he would be keeping people out of the house of the Lord if they obviously were not there for the right purpose, for the right reason, right? And so all of us are doorkeepers in the house of the Lord. And in this, <clears throat> um, I don't even know how I got there, this thing, but um, with, the, with the idea that we, we ourselves are the gatekeepers to what comes in and what, and what comes out too, right? So anyway, let me get on with my stuff here today. So the first thing that um, I want to kind of point out here this morning, there's actually two things that should be said about this idea of the word of God as a weapon of warfare. Now, you know why God gave his, 
gave his word, right? He gave the word so that you could annoy everybody else around you that doesn't know it, and you could like preach at them, tell them all these Bible verses, and make them feel very convicted and feel bad, right? Isn't that right? Isn't that the way it works? No, that is not the way it's supposed to work. It's the way it often happens, though. That we tend to, we tend to take the, we tend to shoot Bible bullets. You know what I mean? And, 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 and people are offended by that. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a matter of knowing how to apply the word of God or to know it well enough and understand it both in terms of text and spirit that you can actually serve up the same thoughts. They don't necessarily have to be the ones, you know, directly um, spoken in the scripture. That's, that's not bad. But, it's, but the word of God is what conveys God's whole message. So if we learn it and we're able to share it with people in a way that is intelligent, in a way that is convincing, right, then it's likely to be able to do its work. There's a, there's a verse of scripture that uh, I wanted to pull up because I think th- this really has always helped me to, to uh, uh, have the right attitude about sharing um, with people about Christ or any of the things that, that God has to say in his word. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter two. Notice what it says. <clears throat> and a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all. Now right off the bat, no quarreling. Right, if it gets to that, it's ruled out. No quarreling. Servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If, perhaps, God will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. What is the person's problem who doesn't know the Lord? God just hasn't broken through yet. And so they are still held in in the captivity of darkness. And our job is to kind of approach that darkness, not with this attitude, with this super spiritual, with this kind of hyper-religious type of attitude, but with a loving, serving attitude. The servant of the Lord must not quarrel. It can never get into that. It can never become something like that, an argument with somebody, okay? Must not quarrel, but must be gentle to all men, able to teach or apt to teach in meekness, that means restraint, in, under control, instructing those that oppose, if perhaps God will grant them repentance and they may come to their senses and escape the trap, escape the snare of the devil who have been taken captive by him, him to do his will. That, that is the description of the entire problem with humanity. Humanity has been taken captive. Okay, but we are able to go in and through skillful use of the word of God, we are able to set the captives free, just like Jesus did, right? That's the job. So if we, uh, so if you're looking for kind of a basis point for something as, as so, okay, what kind of an attitude is appropriate to be able to share what I know with other people? Well, it's not one that quarrels and it's one that is Gentle to all men, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are um, in opposition, if perhaps God will grant them repentance. If you have repented, okay, which means, the, the word repentance means to change your mind. Now it's, it's about lifestyle and behavior and all that too. So it's not just about changing your mind, but it starts with changing your mind. The, the Greek word is metanoia, which I know means nothing. 
to most of us here, but in, Noia is the same, you've heard some of you have been ch- around church world for a while. Noia is, comes from the word gnosis. That helps, right? Okay, gnosis is the word to know, okay? You've heard of Gnostics. Okay, Gnostics were Gnostics, came from Gnosis. They, saw, they thought they had knowledge that everybody else didn't have. That was the whole point of what Gnosticism was all about. So metanoia means to think it through, to think it through again. And that's exactly what God is wanting us to do. That's why having the, the, having the word on board is so powerful because you can think it through again. And that's why it's, you know, but his, his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted by a river of water, all of that, right? That's, that's what that whole process of meditation is about. It's taking the word of God and thinking about it and thinking about it. And it, I've had so many things in my mind to, to kind of bring into this whole, this whole talk because the power of the word of God is that you can actually think God's thoughts and by doing so, you can control your thinking. Now that is a true statement. You can control, you can't control much in this world, right? Most of the things that are going on, you can't control the weather, you can't control other people, you can't control people's attitudes, you can't control you know, whether you're gonna get sick or not sick or things like that. Things, are, things just come in this world, things just happen. But the one thing that you can control is how you think about it. Which is why Philippians chapter two says, let this mind or this attitude be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, right? Think like Jesus is what that scripture is essentially saying. You should think like Jesus, okay? And then he goes on to talk about how Jesus thought. Jesus thought very humbly who even though he was God and did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, nevertheless, he humbled himself and became a man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became a servant, um, even to the death of the cross. Okay, so that was, that's the Christ attitude. It is the attitude of humility. Though he was God, yet he took the lowest spot. Now you and I can't think like Jesus if we don't know the word. That's the thing. It is only through knowing the word that we really can have our mind kind of moved. And then when I'm going through things in life, I can take that word and I can apply it to a situation. Something may come along, some disappointment, some heartbreak, some, you know, whatever it may be. There, Things are coming all the time. And when those things come along, I can either choose to have a bad attitude about it, but that doesn't help very much. I can be ticked off, I can be kind of sullen, I can walk around, I can be angry, you know, I can have bad moods, something like that, or I can get control up here. And I can get control up here best if I think, not my, th- see, it's not a matter of me taking that thought and then putting another thought in my own mind. I'm going to encourage myself today. That'll take you so far, but only so far. Right, That will not get you to that place of real victory. It'll just be a new thought that you have. But when you put the word of God into your head and you can walk and say, I am blessed in every possible way. I am blessed in every possible way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so why am I walking around with this bad attitude? How about Psalm, what is it, Psalm 40, I think. Yeah, where he says, why are you so cast down? Is that Psalm 40? 40 what? 42. 42. 
Okay. Um, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you so troubled within me? Put your hope in God. That's a great thing to memorize because one of these days you're gonna be cast down. One of these days you're gonna dep- be depressed. You're gonna be discouraged about this and that. And if you don't do something about it, it'll hang on for however long it is. And then there's the devil behind that whole process looking to fuel those thoughts. Get those right, rotten people. God, do you know what they did to me? Right? And you kind of get into this, this bad cycle of thinking and the tape plays over and over again. It happens, right? It happens everywhere. It happens in Sometimes, not in this church, of course, but in, you know, in some churches, things like that happen. It happens in marriages, happens in homes and families. And everything is that something happens, somebody disappoints, somebody hurts, something comes along, and then someone's just stewing over this thing. And, and it, it's like, that is just a totally destructive process, right? So we need to be able to take that and say, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Now, you see, that's what it means. when, In the passage that I, am I even gonna get to preach my message <laughs> In the passage that I was just mentioning in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, right, he says, bringing every thought into captivity of Christ. That's the, that's the, the end game, bringing every thought into captivity to Christ. And so this whole, the, that, that's what you do when you go, why are you so cast down on my soul? Why are you so disquieted or whatever word is in your translation within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him who is my help and the strength of my countenance. You know what? That breaks the yoke. That, I don't mean an egg yoke, and that's probably not a good word to use in our world these days. It it breaks the chain of the bad thought. It, 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 It supplies the new thought. It supplies the truth, and God's word is the final word, and that's why it's so powerful. God's word, we're gonna look at this morning, is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We'll get to that in just a minute. So let me get on with what we wanna talk about. So here's the title that I have for the message that I'm sharing with you today. Armed and dangerous. That's who we are supposed to be in this world. Armed and dangerous. With what? Armed with the word of God, equipped with the word of God, right? Because the word of God, what was that verse that we looked at last week? The word of God. Um, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. That the person of God may be perfect, thoroughly prepared for every good work. Well, that's a function or that's, that's part of the process of having the, the word on board. So, you with me? Yes. Are you guys in the back corner? Are you with me? All right, good. At least Desi is. Everybody, everybody else is sleeping back there, I think. Okay. So, armed and dangerous, learning to use the word of God as a weapon of spiritual warfare. This is where you, you allow the word of God to take control over the way that you and I think because you can change the way that you think. All right, now there's a verse of scripture that we need to think about um, in preparation for uh, what I'm gonna share with you this morning. Um, It's something, this is something um, that probably everybody here, maybe, um, knows at least to some degree and so it's something that, I'm, that, that we'll be teaching that is kind of, it, it's not new, but it is fundamentally essential to understand 
what is presented to us in the uh, in this passage. So we're going to take a look at Hebrews chapter 4 again. And it says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. I want you to pay attention to that, all right? Piercing to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, excuse me, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open in the eyes of him with whom we must give an account. Now, the reason I'm putting that verse up there is because it contains, or it it is informing us about the fact that there is a dichotomy between soul and spirit, okay? We are actually a three part thing. We are a three part creature. We are body, soul, and spirit. But not everybody knows that. Not, every, not everybody realizes that. Most people will say, well, we're body and soul. Most people will know we have you know, a part that is obviously the, the flesh part of our life. And then there's usually, you know, if, if, if somebody's home inside, there is the, the aspects of personality and things like that, body and soul. But we, but we are, unfortunately, according to what the Bible says, we are born spiritually dead. Which is why... Even if, even if a person, like again, when it was saying before about that person uh, that you or I might be witnessing to, um, that they may come to a knowledge of the truth and escape the trap that has been, the snare that has been set by the captive who has taken them, or by the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. And so people are bound by the devil, it says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that uh, there, is, there is a veil over people's eyes. And so they, they just don't understand it, but they don't understand anything about God. They know there's got to be one. You have to be, really you have to be kind of, yeah, let me say it. <laughs> you, you cannot make sense out of anything at all in this world if you rule out God. Amen. That is the essential thing. If, if, if you say there is no God, then in essence there's no you. There's no reality to you, no reality to anything that you're doing. You are just simply a a wingless biped that is moving around who will shortly die and your life is utterly meaningless. If there is no God, there is no meaning to anything. So that's why the Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Okay? So a, 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 a belief that there is a God is, I think, pretty common to most people. Most people believe there is a God. They just don't know who he is. They just don't know what he's about. And if anything, by nature, we're afraid of him because we all know that we have transgressed. We have, you know, numbers of things that if we had to go stand before God and we had to answer for the things that we've done, uh, wouldn't go too well. So we have this inherent anxiety and fear of God. <clears throat> I. I used the illustration one time where like, I have, I have a uh, bird feeder in the back of my house and we try to keep it pretty well, you know, filled most of the time. And there's always birds back there, you know, all kinds of different birds and beautiful birds, colored birds, black birds, whatever. And, um, and every once in a while, like I'll come by my sliding glass door out to the deck and open it up, boom, swam! And they all, they, they all take off. Why? I'm the guy that put that food there. 
but they're afraid of me by nature, right? They're afraid of me. They don't realize, I, I, have, I have mean them no harm, quite the opposite. I'm putting bird seed in the bird feeder thing, right? But that's the way we are with God. We are, we are fearful of God and anxious about God and nervous about God and not sure about, but that's kind of the natural condition and it's because we just don't know him and the, and, and the only way we can come to know him is if he makes himself known to us, which is why that passage we looked at before says, if perhaps God will grant them repentance and they may come to a knowledge of the truth who have been taken captive by the devil to do his will. If you have repented, that's how I got started on this thing, yeah. If you have actually repented, that was a gift of God's grace to you. And, and repentance, that mindset that says, I can change, I can be different, I can be the person that God is calling me to be. I, I get it wrong sometimes and I muff it up sometimes and I make mistakes and I do it very imperfectly, but I can be more than I am right now. And then with that kind of an attitude, that's a repentant attitude, right? It is, it is a new way of thinking about whatever the issues are that are going on in life. So <clears throat> if, if you have repented, God has given you a great gift. And if you are still, it, it, is, it is essential to continue to cultivate that attitude of repentance, that attitude of being willing to change my mind. Nothing that I know of is more of a bad spiritual indicator in a person, if I, if I meet a person, there's nothing? Yeah, I think so. I think this will stand. <laughs> nothing is more of an indicator that a person is going nowhere spiritually than they are not teachable. Right? I see some heads bobbing back. Well, if, it, that, that, that can be like, you know, people in your own home, and your own family, people in your neighborhood, people in your job. There is just a resistance, an, an unteachability. And when a person's kind of locked into that, they are spiritually nowhere and going nowhere because the Bible says that God resists the proud but gives grace, favor to... I heard it in there. The humble... Yeah! God resists the proud. I'm fine, I'm good but gives grace to the humble. Yeah, teach me, show me something, help me. So anyway, <clears throat> back to the message here. So there are only two places, I think, in the New Testament where these uh, two words are brought together, the division of soul and spirit, and then in this passage, which is found in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So here we have two passages of scripture <clears throat> which inform us that we are not only body and soul, but we are body, soul, and spirit. Now, I wonder how far I have to go to actually get that thing up. Uh, ah, all right, let me just fast forward a little bit. There we go. A biblical picture of man. Now, like I said, I think that probably most people have some knowledge of this. <clears throat> it's not real deep, but it's real important to understand how we are built, how we are made, because we can oftentimes be trying to <clears throat> assuage or f solve problems 
but we're only solving problems, let's say, in an intellectual area or in an emotional, uh, or the, the emotional aspect of those things and not really getting at the root and the core of the problem. And that's because um, without Christ, we are, no, we are not yet alive in the spirit. So take a look with me at that picture. Man, a three-part whole. Um, so the outer circle there represents the body. The body has five senses. You can touch it, you can taste it, you can see it, you can smell it then you can experience, what was what I forget, and hear it, right? So <clears throat> the body has its five senses and it is equipped with the five senses to be able to function in the world and do the things that need to be done while we're living in the world. But there's more to us than just the body. This, this really gets to the heart of something that is huge in our culture right now. <clears throat> the entire scientific world is grounded in a philosophy, philosophy known as materialism or naturalism, which means the only things that exist are things that you can touch, things that, things that are physical by nature. Right, That's what materialism is. And the sciences today are all ruled with this concept. There is no such thing as the um, spiritual. No such thing as the transcendent. There's no reality to any of that. Everything is on. You are just simply a bunch of neurons and a bunch of cells and a bunch of protoplasm. And, and, and that's why you are who you are and you do what you do because simply all these things inside of you are, they're you. You are only the material that you are made of, okay? That's, that is the fundamental philosophical view, not only of the sciences, it certainly is the fundamental school, of, of education, of, of media, everywhere. This is the kind of basic philosophy that the world is working by, naturalism or materialism. So the body, um, here we learn that we have a body, that's the place where you live. The soul is the personality. The soul is the seat of the mind, the will, and the emotions. I was kidding you last week and said we're gonna start a soul band. Do you, anybody remember what it was? Will, intellect, and the emotions. Huh? We're going places with that one. What do you think, Scott? Will, intellect, and the emotions? Okay. He's in. All right. That's, all right, now it's definitely going to happen. Okay. But the mind, the will, and the emotions, what I think, what I want, what I feel. Okay? That's the soulish part. It is what I think. It's what I want, the will. And it's how I feel, it's the emotions, all right? That's the deeper part of our life. That's the me part, or it's the I part of who I am, what I think, what I want, what I feel. But then there's a third part to our nature, and that third part, we have, there's a real problem here, because that third part of our nature is dead. Now the third part, uh, that's really not my chart. <clears throat> Just kind of pulled it off. It says determines our identity, and, and that's true enough. But the third part is the part where God communicates to us. It is in that spirit, okay, that God is able to speak into our life because if God, if God has not made the mind. Now, the mind is a door into the spirit. The ears are a door into the spirit. So it's not as though those things are not of value. They are, all, they are of value because they're gates, so to speak. But um, the spirit part is the part that is born anew, born of the spirit, born of God, it is, and it is meant to drive your life. That's, that's what's really important here. Now, most of us are driven in some other way. Most, you know, many people are driven, that's what we were kind of pointing out last week in terms of, you know, <clears throat> we, might, we can be driven by the flesh. 
I got to have this and I got to have that and I got to eat this and taste that and wear this. And right, the, the flesh can drive the picture of our life, but the flesh profits nothing, Jesus says. The spirit gives life. So if I'm only living to gratify and satisfy the, the flesh aspect of my life, um, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The only thing that's, that's waiting down that road, if, I, if you live after the flesh, you will die. But if you, through the Spirit, do put to death the deeds of the flesh, you will live, right? So the whole idea that um, to, to live for the flesh is just simply death. It is, it is accumulating nothing in terms of spiritual uh, reality. Many people live after the soul. It's all about what they think or it's all about what they feel, or it's all about what they want. And those things become the drivers to every decision that life um, brings to us. The decision will be weighed in terms of, well, how do I feel about that? Or what do I think about that? Or what is my choice in, about that? So it, things can easily, that can easily become the driver of our life, but in God's economy, the true driver, what is supposed to drive our life is spirit, right? Walk in the spirit. This I say, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit lusts against the flesh and you cannot do the things that your flesh wants to do, right? So there's, there's, a, there's a command on us, there's an onus on us not to let the flesh, or even our own thoughts, or our own emotions, or our own feelings, not to let those be the driver of our life, but to let God's word be the driver of our life. That's, that is the whole concept here, but there's a problem. <clears throat> the natural man is dead in spirit. That's why what I was saying before, that we have a knowledge that there's got to be a God out there somewhere. And all this couldn't be without, without a God. But who is he? What is he about? And, and by nature, we are just simply kind of estranged and polarized from him. But that's what God wants to change, right? That's why, that's why it is so important that we become born of the Spirit. And as Pastor Joe and I were talking about this week, that we become filled with the Spirit. It, the Scripture says, don't get drunk with wine, we're in his excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Being filled with the Spirit, and being filled with the Spirit means be under the control of, be under the governance of the Spirit of God. Because that's why the Spirit of God has been given to us in order to give us guidance, internal guidance. Otherwise, if Jesus would have stayed here forever, there'd be one Jesus, you'd have to make an appointment, go talk to him and see what you're supposed to do with your life, right? But he said, I, I'm gonna send along another helper, another comforter, and another meaning another one just like me. But he's gonna be, he has been with you, but now he's going to be in you. That is the presence of the Spirit of God. And all of us should be seeking and looking for the opportunity to become more under the influence of or filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? So just a little something free of charge. So anyway, back to, there's the body. The body's not to be in control. The soul is not to be in control. What is supposed to be in control is the spirit, and the spirit will then inform all these other parts of my being as to how they should respond to situations that come along. Okay, a couple of verses of scripture, and then we're gonna, gonna have to do communion. Okay. Um, <clears throat> here's the passage in question before from Ephesians chapter two. 
And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, who now works in the sons of disobedience. Okay, so that's, that's the bad news, right? But you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. When we live a life that is alienated from God and, and, and sinful by nature, we are, um, <clears throat> it is evidence that we are still living in the flesh. You, he made alive who were dead. It is spiritual death to live that way. But it's, he goes on to say, but God who is rich in mercy, because of his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, had raised us up together with Christ and seated us together with him in the heavenly places. Did you get that? But God, who is rich in mercy, even when we were dead in transgressions and sins, raised us up together with Christ. And he goes on to say, by grace you are saved, and finishes, finishes that thought out. So the problem is that we are born with a dead spirit, born with a non-functioning spirit, born with a broken spirit. And there's some sense in our mind, and there's some sense in our emotions that there's a God out there, but it is only when that word, when the word of God hits that spirit, which is why he says the word of God is alive and powerful, it's sharper than any double-edged sword, it pierces down to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, down to the very thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what the word of God is capable of doing. As we think about it, meditate, as we apply it to the reality of whatever's going on, right? I can have a, Lorraine's not here, I can say all kinds of things about her. <laughs> I can get to a fight with Lorraine, and, you, and, and it can go on as long as it's gonna go on until I go like, until I let the Lord say to me, just how much of a bonehead are you going to be? How long are you gonna let this, but do you know what she did? Did you hear what she said to me, Lord? Grow up, Steve. God, God is not very gentle with me. I don't know how he works with you. Boom, it's between the eyes, like on a regular basis. <clears throat> but that's what I need. That's what I need. Anyway, those kinds of alienation, those kinds of problems, those, those relational problems can go on for a long time. You can have a beef with somebody or you can be miffed with somebody or be carrying something angry towards somebody or something unforgiving. Oh man, there can be people in our life that hurt us 20 years ago and we're still angry about it, still hurt by it, still bitter about it. And that's the, uh, that's the terrible part of, of, of not get letting our mind being to be controlled by the spirit. Because when the mind is controlled by the spirit, scripture says the mind that is controlled by the spirit is life and peace. The mind that is controlled by the flesh is death. Okay, so when those things are going on, the, 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 the all important thing is that I bring to that problem God's thought. God, what do you have to say about this? And bring that right into the problem that's like, all right, I guess I just don't have any justification for my bad attitude. I guess I just don't have any justification for being unforgiving. Even though you hurt me or you, you did something to me and it messed with me and it, maybe, it, maybe it actually affected my life. Maybe it actually changed the circumstances somehow in my life. Still, I've got to be able, because Christ has forgiven me as a starting point, then I have to forgive you. I have to release you. And, and I would define um, forgiveness in a very simple way. Relinquishing the right to retaliate. Amen. 
Take that one home. Relinquishing the right to retaliate. No, it doesn't mean that if Aaron did something real nasty to me, I'm gonna love him so much. Hey, how you doing, bro? Right? It doesn't mean I'm gonna feel good feelings. It means that I'm gonna do what I need to do, right? And so that the, the whole idea is it, it, I don't have to feel love. It's not necessary to feel love, to be loving, to extend love, okay? So um, if, I, if I fail to let God's word reside in my mind, my heart, my emotions, if, unless God's word controls my emotions, unless God's word controls my thoughts, and my mind, unless God's word controls my will. And again, this is, this, is the, this is the thing that we're in all the time. This is going on all the time in every one of us and allowing the spirit of God to reign and have dominion and be Lord in all those things is what spirituality is all about. Amen, Amen right? And then being able to bring that back so that regardless of what's go- going on, it, uh, <clears throat> because without doing that, what happens is just, for um, bitterness and corruption. That's all that happens. And boy, do I wish I had another hour to talk here. No, I don't really wish I had another hour. I wish I could say everything I want to say in the next five minutes. That would probably do it. Anyway, all right. You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, <clears throat> um, according to the spirit that now works the sons of disobedience, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in, in, in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. And a couple more verses. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God who lives, which lives and abides forever. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to Become the children of God to those who believe in his name, to those who were born not by blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And one more, and all of these are simply saying the entire spiritual initiative comes because God chose for it to happen. If you're saved, it's because God chose you to be saved. It's a hard thing to understand, and, and the question naturally arises, well, how come he didn't save this person? Because if, 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 if he would have saved this person, it'd make my whole being saved a whole lot easier. Okay, but God is, God is <clears throat> sovereign in this particular matter. And so, all of these are, are like simply texts or verses that are addressing the fact that spiritual life comes from God. It is what he himself does. It is a sovereign act of his own will. Who were born not of the flesh or the will of man or the, the, will, uh, or the, the will of the flesh, but were born of God. So, Ah, we don't want to go there. Okay. So we will have to press the pause button and we will get back to this next week where we'll learn about, finally, we'll get down to the weapons of our warfare. But we have to, what we have to understand with this whole thing, and the, the foundation I'm trying to lay is that the word of God is what your spirit needs to grow. The word of God is what causes spiritual growth. Without it, you're just going by your own thoughts. You're just moving by your own emotions. You're just acting out your own will. But when the word of God comes in, it will challenge all those things. That's what that passage of scripture is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, when he's saying, taking every thought captive to Christ. That every thought has to account to Christ. And if, and if Jesus looks at that thought and says, nope, you're thinking, that's, Stinking thinking. 
as it is said to be. Stinking thinking. It's it's just a way to think. It's a way to think wrong. But and and so as as you and I are taking time to marinate, to bathe our minds, to bathe our our emotions, to bathe our will in the in the Word of God, it begins to in, inform us and begins to uh, make us capable of living the life that God calls us to do. So, so when we're reading the word of God, it's not, it, is not, it is not primarily about what it does for my mind, although it's an interesting book to read, I think. It's not about, all about what it does for my emotions, although it's an exciting, ex- exhilarating thing to read the word of God, but it is about the spirit. The spirit is where the life is. The flesh profits nothing. So as, so as we lay this foundation, more to be said, but just the idea that the word of God is alive and can penetrate down to the division of soul and spirit. All right, let's take a moment and offer this to the Lord. Lord, we give to you today this, these thoughts. And God, we thank you that you have taken us in We were like orphans, orphan kids, just kind of knocking around in this world, making one stupid mistake after another, following one wrong way of thinking after another, being influenced by wrong people all over the place, gullible and silly and stupid, and made many mistakes along the way. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace we are saved and raised us up to be seated together with Christ in the heavenly places. So Lord, we thank you for this. We pray that we will read the word by the spirit, not just with the mind, not just um, with, with our own natural capabilities, but we will, we will receive it into our spirit where it can bear good fruit all over the place. So thank you for this time, O Lord God, and we pray that uh, you will take that word and just sow it into each heart. God, I pray today that whatever things you need anybody to hear today, that you will just plant it, plant it deep, because this it penetrates the soul and spirit, and it goes right down to the very core of who we are, down to the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. So God, we just pray you'll take that word and... I thank you for what everybody who's working on it. And everybody, it was great to hear everybody share that together before. So we thank you for the way that you're, you're working all those things out. <clears throat> In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said, amen.